Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher. Soft tone today on Bet the Edge as we lament the Boston Celtics. Plus 950 ticket when they were down 3-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals, going down in flames. Undone by Jason Tatum's ankle, by Joe Mazzulla's obsession with playing drop coverage against Duncan Robinson. Why'd you do it, Joe? Why'd you do it? And uh, undone by the Miami Heat, most of all. And today we're going to talk about the finals matchup, Heat Nuggets, uh, just as everyone predicted before the playoffs started. Uh, to do that, we're going to speak with Drew Dinsick, Kurt Heelan, Vaughn Dalzell. Gentlemen, great to see you all. Uh, Kurt, I'm going to start with you. I just want your theory behind the Miami Heat um, because this is the most inexplicable finals appearance uh, that, that I can recall. Probably I wasn't paying as close attention to basketball in 1999 when the Knicks made their one seed charge. But, I mean, what do you make of the Heat ultimately? Do you think that this is largely luck? Do you think that this was, team was lurking all season and are actually you know, in that same tier as the Bucks and Celtics who they've dispatched of? Or just what do you make of this team? I think they were better than we thought. I mean, going into the season, I had them, I'd have to think about it, a four or five. I thought they were maybe a tier below where Boston was, where I thought Milwaukee and Philadelphia were. But I thought they were better than they showed during the regular season. They just couldn't hit a shot to save their lives were part of it. But I think it speaks to relentlessness and and the willingness to – look. They are committed to their system. They know who they are. They don't vary from it. They keep attacking you regardless. And and they showed a mental toughness that certainly Boston hasn't shown. Uh, but but beyond that, no other team in the East seemed able to match. Um, I, I it is so, it is kind of shocking. I I, I think I pick picked against them in every round. Well, maybe no, not the second. I think I had them over the Knicks. But like I, I've been surprised by this the whole way and. Also, it speaks to, again, to their culture. Uh, who of us had Caleb Martin for five Eastern Conference MVP? Because he came this close, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's unreal. The Caleb Martin turning into, like, Caleb Martin substantially outplaying Jalen Brown, who might yes. be about to get a quarter of a billion mm-hmm. dollars. Uh, <laughs> yes. A pretty key moment in the series. Vaughn, what do you make of the Heat? I think you believed in the Heat a bit more uh, than at least I did coming into this series. Well, I mean, I liked Heat game one. Uh, you know, I didn't. I bet the Celtics game two and three. Went back on the Heat in game four. Lost that. Uh, then watched you guys talk about the Celtics comeback, and I hated on it. And then, yeah, the Heat ended up coming through for me, I guess. Uh, but I was just really impressed with the three-point shooting and the way they were able to spread teams out. I mean, eight out of the ten rotational players in the postseason hit 35% or better from three. This Miami Heat team averaged the lowest amount of points per game in the NBA in the regular season. All right, and they got it going offensively. So they really bought into Jimmy Butler, in my opinion. He's the only guy on the team that averaged over 17 points per game. Seven different players averaged 10 points per game for the Heat or more. So just very well balanced. They didn't even need Tyler Hero for this run. He's targeting a game three return, which is uh, the first home game for Miami. Uh, So if he does come back for that, it would certainly be exciting. But, I mean, Vegas certainly thinks Denver is going to be far too much for Miami. Yep. What's your rate, Drew? Well, a couple things. There's definitely been playoffs cycles, entire cycles in our lives where it was as simple as best player in the series, that team wins. And so far, Jimmy Butler has been the best player in all three of the Heat series, and they've won all three of those series. So it shouldn't really be shocking to us. 
Um, on top of that, they have also kind of caught variants in the bottle in terms of getting to go against an injured Bucks team in round one, uh, and then getting to go against the Celtics team in, in round three that could, you know, hit the, uh, the wrong side of variance in terms of shooting, uh, when it mattered most. I mean, the, the, the poor shooting that we saw from the Celtics, uh, you know, particularly, um, you know, early and then late in that series, those, this, those were like 10th percentile type of games for them over the balance of the season. And they all happen to have, they all happen to happen in the Eastern conference finals, which is wild and tough to explain. And I don't even really want to give the heat a ton of credit for the way that they were defending the Celtics because they basically were giving the Celtics really high quality looks. They just weren't going in. They weren't even coming close last night. So, um, you know, I think they, you know, they, they obviously have done some things that are worth, lauding the development of Caleb Martin into a bona fide number two. Like, I mean, he, at times he looked like Kawhi Leonard out there. And I was like, I, I, I could not believe, uh, you know, what they were getting from him on both ends of the floor. Um, and you know, it's just, he, it does not look like a fluke. He was his, his true shooting at seven, what seven eighty three is effective field goal percentage was uh seven twenty seven. Uh, in an entire se- series that's against the Celtics who have, you know, elite wing defense. Like, that's that's amazing, amazing, amazing accomplishment. And congratulations to the Heat for getting here. Uh, but I don't see uh, any reason to run to the window to bet the Heat now. Um, if you want to even go with sort of the best player in the best series kind of argument, it's clearly Nikola Jokic uh, has been the best player in the playoffs uh, so far, I think, by margin. Uh, and, uh, you know, for those reasons and the home court advantage and just in general, the heat limping in a bit, having had to go, uh, you know, seven against the Celtics, I think is kind of influencing the market here where we've seen since the open uh, a pretty sincere uh, appetite for Nuggets bets uh, by a lot of the market makers. Yeah, I think the Heat, I mean, I think they're incredibly admirable and they have to be respected for pulling this off. I'm still just going to die on the hill, though, that they're not very good. Uh, and the fact, I just think that they are, to me, they are a much mentally tougher, better coached version of the Atlanta Hawks, who, by the way, destroyed them in the playing game. Uh, a slightly better version than the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Toronto Raptors. Like, I don't think those teams have markedly less talent. But I think that how we've gotten here is Jimmy Butler, who is a legit plus seven EPM superstar who ramps up in the playoffs. He had three out-of-body experiences in game four and five of the Bucs series. And then in the last six minutes of game two against the Celtics, where he too small Grant Williams. And those three performances combined with the fact that they they shot 45% from three against the Bucs. And then they shot almost 44% from three against the Celtics, while the Celtics shot 30% from three. And that's your series. And it's a really solid defensive team. I think they're going to have trouble with Nikola Jokic just because Bam Adebayo is a smaller human being um, than typically played center. Uh, but I think that their defense was excellent uh, against the Bucs and the Celtics. And also the thing is, is that we've seen repeatedly that the Bucs and the Celtics, as good as they are, those offenses, when they come up against an elite defense, just struggle and can really get in the mud. And the Heat preyed on that, and they made their threes, and Butler was incredible, and uh, and here we are. Weirdly, I think the series I almost take the most optimism for the Heat going forward in was the Knicks series, 
because they didn't shoot well against the Knicks. They couldn't make a shot against the Knicks. And that Knicks team, while not to the level of Milwaukee or Boston, clearly, was a solid 47-win team. And the Heat, with Butler limping around, not being able to make a shot, still handled them with relative ease. So can't write them off. Um, but still, it seems like the Nuggets are certainly justified favorites. Uh, I want to take a look at some of these player prop markets in the finals. Uh Points leader, rebounds leader, assist leader, you can bet on all of them. Uh, as you would imagine, most of these markets are heavily skewed towards the two superstars in Nikola Jokic and Jimmy Butler. But, Kurt, is there a player that you think is going to have a really good series in this matchup? That's a good question. Um, I don't think it's – I mean, there might be an instinct to go with Jamal Murray, but I think – Miami doesn't match up well with Nikola Jokic. I think their goal is ultimately to make him a scorer, which everybody tries to do. Everybody, he just figures everybody out. But try to make him a scorer, not as much of a passer. And I think what they're going to do as part of that is try to wear Jamal Murray down. They might pick him up full court. They are going to go at Jamal Murray. So I don't think he – Jokic points – Jokic putting up a lot of points, I expect. I'm not sure that this is going to be a great Jamal Murray series, at least early, but they have such depth of shot creation and scoring that if you if you really do take away Murray, MPJ can have his games. Um, and I think that that's where you might look. That's the other matchup. If I were going to take uh, betting on a guy to kind of have a really nice series, Michael Porter Jr., they don't, they don't run anybody out over like 6-7, right? Like, I mean, outside of Bam – I just got a feeling it's going to be one of those series where no Michael Porter Jr. is going to have some games because much like the last series, it doesn't really matter. He'll just shoot over whoever you put on him. And if he's rolling, you are not going to be able to stop him. Yeah. Vaughn, anyone that you yeah. like in the series, be it in one of these marks, or just you think that matches up well against the other team? Actually, there's uh, you just mentioned one of them, Kurt, and Michael Porter Jr. because a series that we are – uh, one of the prop markets that we might not be talking about in depth was a three point uh, made three points market. Definitely felt like MPJ and Caleb Martin were two clear guys to be taking a shot on there. MPJ is averaging about 8.3 three point attempts per game. And that Lakers series had 20 in the last two games. Caleb Martin. I mean, we were talking him up and how he's a solid two. 22 made threes versus Boston on 45 attempts. That's 49%. Uh, he's probably the best value on the board for a heat player. I think um, outside if you're trying to take Jimmy Butler on points, but I think Jimmy would have to go super Saiyan uh, to win that over Nikola Jokic. Cause I know we yeah. talked about it briefly before and uh, you have been really on that Jay is Jokic dominating Autobio. And over their last six meetings, I mean, he's averaged 46 points, rebounds, assists, 25 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists. And in this playoffs in particular, this guy's triple doubled eight out of 15 times. I mean, you're not even getting plus money on a triple double anymore. He's triple double five his last six. So Clearly, Jokic should be leading all these stack categories. I wouldn't take any. I wouldn't take any other players. But if you're talking about three point market, I think that's where the value is, and I'd be looking at MPJ or Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin's thirteen to one, which I like yeah. that value. Anyone in these markets, Drew, that you think uh, is going to rise up? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the market is telling you right now this is probably going to be a short series with fewer games comes more variance, um, and MPJ at forty to one is pretty insane. We had uh, two matchups between these two teams this uh, regular season. Both were meaningful. Uh, you know, one in December, one in February. Uh, you had pretty decent full strength uh, from both squads in both of these matchups. Uh, Nikola Jokic's offensive rating in these two games, a combined 159. 
which is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I don't think they're realistically, you know, he, he didn't score uh, and, you know, he wasn't the primary scorer. He was mostly a facilitator in one of the games and, uh, you know, and, and uh, it was pretty much a team effort, uh, you know, in both uh, of the Nuggets wins against the Heat this regular season. Um, no, no, both were competitive games. Um, so it's, you know, it's realistically, I, I think the entirety of the Nuggets fortunes in the series run through Nikola Jokic's ability to continue to operate offense at a level that we've never seen in the NBA before. Um, and, uh, you know, for those reasons, uh, you know, any Nugget, uh, being kind of the beneficiary of his gravity, uh, I think you take a shot and hope, you know, in a four or five game series, Michael Porter Jr. gets hot from three, a couple of, a couple of games, and all of a sudden that 41 is live. Um, but make no mistake, the most important player in the series by far for the Nuggets is Nikola Jokic. And uh, I think, uh, you know, realistically, if he has a game that's not a triple-double, you'd you know, be more surprised than uh, anything else. I thought his defense took a step forward this playoffs from what we saw in the regular season. Uh, and I think in general, his ability to... Um, you know, dominate on the glass against the Lakers is something that you can take directly into this series because he has the same exact sort of, um, you know, size advantage over uh, the Heat squad that he, uh, even more so uh, than he had over a Lakers squad that was really lacking a second big body out there. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Jokic is going to get it done every which way possible. And, uh, you know, I think the Heat in general are going to be pretty, uh, pretty unstoppable offensively. Yep. All right. Before we get into game one and the series market, a reminder to download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, so the Nuggets are minus eight and a half point favorites in game one. That's trending up towards nine, even. Uh, Two nineteen and a half is the total. And I just think that well, look, the the series market as well was opened at you know, minus 360 type range. That was quickly bet up where it's pushing towards minus 500 at some spots. And what I'm most interested in is just first Nuggets offensive possession. What are the Heat doing with Jokic and how are they going to guard that? Is it just going to be bam, one-on-one uh, and just see how that goes? Is there going to be some zone elements? Are they going to play even just put Kevin Love on Jokic and have bam be in the help role that AD was? I think that the issue is is that I think the Lakers were probably the best equipped team in the league to defend Jokic and defended him about as well as you can. And the Nuggets had a 122 offensive rating for the series. So I think you just cannot defend him. Uh, and the Heat are going to have to score heavily on the other end and then have some shooting variants go their way. But game one, Kurt, uh, where the Nuggets do have a massive rest advantage, maybe to the point where uh, it could trend to a little bit of rust. Um, what, are you, what are you expecting from game one? I do think that they're going to be a little rusty from the start. And Michael Malone, frankly, in his press conference this week, has owned up to it. He's just been like, you can't recreate playoff basketball in practice. We're going, you know, he was prepared for the first quarter, first half to be a little bit sloppy, I think. Uh, or for his side, maybe not to be as sharp as they were going against that Laker defense. But on the flip side, and I think this is the bigger issue, Miami, as resilient as they are, they put the tank pretty close to E uh, to get here. Hop on the much overly weirdly discussed flight on Twitter <laughs> overnight. What are they supposed to, to do? Yeah. Well, I, well, I couldn't figure that out. How did that become a thing? Anyway, again. Yeah. Um, they, they fly, <laughs> but somebody from Boston tweeted at the time, 
the Celtics don't have a booked flight because they wouldn't either way. So yeah, yeah, right. I know what's the point. <laughs> um, anyway, they fly, they fly, they fly there. But now you've got to play at altitude. Basically, you, you get a couple days, but you, you don't have that much time to really adjust. And then you run into the buzzsaw that is that is Denver. I just got a feeling this is one where Denver in the second half pulls away and that eight isn't looking unreasonable or eight and a half, nine doesn't look unreasonable because I got a feeling this is going to be a rough one for Miami. Yeah. Vaughn, anything yeah. you like in game one? Yeah, I agree with the, the the second half there for Denver. I think that's kind of where they play their best basketball in this game. So I'll definitely be looking at live bet opportunities. If you do believe in the rust factor for Denver, Miami first quarter plus three or first half plus five aren't terrible numbers by any means, but them playing in the altitude will will probably be a factor at some point. What I like is game one overs. I mean, they've been consistent for me. They're six and zero run right now in the postseason. All four of the all four of the uh, second rounds went over the opening total and the conference finals. And I think that's mainly just because these teams have to adjust on the fly. Whether going over or under screens, we saw Boston could not get that down with Miami through seven games. Uh, which players you cannot and can't switch on? We saw guys like Rui Hachimara guard Nikola Jokic later in the series, and that benefited them a little bit. Um, and then you also just talk about the pace of play, too. I mean, Denver loves to go up and down the court. They're scoring 115, 116 in the playoffs at home and overall, and Miami's right there with them. I mean, you look at game ones, Miami put up 130, 108, 123. Denver, 109, 125, 132. Both teams could easily score over 100, 110 points here. So I like the over, and as I said before, Jokic triple-double, uh, not a bad bet by any means. I will not tell anyone no to that. Yeah. Any play for you, Drew, on game one? Yeah, I mean, uh, so far, this entire cycle of playoffs has stuck so closely to just the historical norms. Game six yeah. and game seven's unders, uh, you know, team down 0-2, giving you a, a game effort first half at home. You know, the the kind of the tried and true automatic stuff that you don't really question has been uh, very, 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 you know, high return rate rate of return um and uh you know this rest imbalance that you're seeing would tell you that the heat are drawing dead um i i'm sad about that because i you know obviously the market has completely gotten away in terms of series price in terms of anything getting any more additional you know money down on the nuggets at this point you're paying into the premium uh and so i was you know i'm kind of going to sit tight and hope against hope that somehow some way uh, the Miami Heat pull off the impossible, catch another lucky night of shooting, and then you know, and then the rust is a factor here. But um, I like Kurt's angle the best. Um, I'm going to sit tight, hope for some first half rust, and then probably bombs away Nuggets second half here because the Heat uh, coming up, coming off of that physical series, and you know, in particular those last two games, uh, and then now playing at altitude uh, on a quick turnaround, quick-ish turnaround. Uh, this is uh, about as bad a situational spot as you can ever have in a, an NBA Finals Game 1. Uh, and, uh, you know, so for those reasons, Nuggets uh, being able to take advantage of that seems likely. Yep. All right, let's talk about the series winner market. So the Nuggets, uh, you can get them at minus 400 still, the Heat plus 300. So the market thinks that the Heat are a bit less than a 25% chance to win this series. Uh, to be fair, they were a lot longer uh, prices to beat Boston and Milwaukee, uh, and they shoved it in the market's face. So they can certainly do it again. Uh, I actually, I bet the Heat 
um, to win the title during the Knicks series when they were 20 to 1. And that 20 to 1 still feels like total poison and has no chance whatsoever to win. <laughs> Even though it's plus 300 now, I feel like the ticket is drawing dead. Um, but certainly they're alive. What I'm most looking for in this in this matchup is just what kind of weird stuff can Spolstra do? Because if this just unfolds conventionally, you would think that the Nuggets are going to roll. But is he going to do stuff like just put Nikola Jokic in a pick and roll every single play and just try and get him to foul out that way? What is he going to be able to do defensively to disrupt Jokic? Um, what's he going to do with guarding Aaron Gordon, which seems like it's been the swing piece uh, in some of these series? I think that Miami's blueprint is probably what Phoenix were able to do in games three and four, which is have your superstar wing guard just go off and then have shooting space out the nuggets and try and win an offensive matchup. But um, Kurt, I want to ask you about Tyler Hero, who is going to factor into this series, it looks like. It Mm -hmm. seems like he's going to be back for game three. There is the thought that Hero might hurt the heat um which i don't necessarily agree with but how do you think that he affects this series i don't think he hurt the heat but i will tell you that they even had internal discussions during the season about considering this move like was he just more naturally with this roster better as a bench player not hurting his hand not that move but bringing him off the bench which if he comes back spoil has to do right Mm -hmm. You, you can't kind of mess with this starting lineup unless you're down 0-3 and nothing's worked and you're just now throwing stuff against a wall. Um, I think he's better in that role and he can give them secondary shot creation um, if he's close to being himself, which is still kind of the question. Where's He says he still has pain in that hand, so where is his handles? Because part of what makes him work is that he really can – create his own shot and he's kind of long and lanky and then he gets up over people and, and can knock it down. If he can come off the bench and create, he can give them a little spark um, and maybe put up some double digit points. But I just, Hey, you haven't played in a while. Your conditioning's wherever it is. How would you like to just enter the NBA finals and walk up? And, <laughs> here's the ball. Go, go, go save us is, is a big ask. I just, I'm not sure how much you can really help. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that one thing though, is that, Kyle Lowry looks so bad in the Eastern Conference Finals that Hero coming back might be able to mitigate that a little bit. To talk about the series market, also want to bring up Finals MVP, which is an alternative way to bet this. Jokic is minus 300, as you'd expect. Butler plus 325, Murray 12 to 1. Uh, Vaughn, anyone you like in this market? It's certainly Jokic's market. I mean, if you're a Heat fan, Jimmy Butler is the only way it could look, but Nikola Jokic should be a runaway for this award. I think there's a good chance he dribbled triple doubles in at least 50% of these series games in the finals. I think that, you know, he's averaging a career high in the playoffs right now in rebounds and assists. And I think that's why you've seen guys like MPJ, uh, Aaron Gordon stroke from three and make a difference here. So yeah, Jokic is the clear favorite here. If you want to parlay piece it with it, cause not everyone's going to be able to bet 300 and make a great profit. Um, I do like the Nuggets series price though of minus one and a half. Uh, that's gotten juice since this morning. I mean, I saw one thirty fives and one forties this morning out to minus 160 minus 170 at some places now uh which just means you need the nuggets to win four or five or six games i think there's a very good chance of that happening here so that's probably my best bet but yoga mvp it's a clear way to go yep i like it drew how are you betting the series yeah uh gentlemen sweep yep 
Uh, that's my most likely outcome by a lot, yeah. actually, uh, surprisingly. Um, and realistically, uh, you're just asking the Nuggets to protect home court and uh, split in Miami, and then uh, we can call it a series at home in Denver and drop the blue and gold confetti on the home fans. It'll be a pretty fun scene. And, you know, I, I, I honestly, I, I would really just like to see Nikola Jokic get, uh, get, a, get a, a, you know, a title and uh, a finals MVP because what we've seen from him now in a three-year arc has been amazing. Amazing. And I think realistically, as cool as it is that Butler and the Heat have gotten to this point, uh, for me, at least the story of this entire season is going to be Nikola Jokic and, uh, you know, what he's done in terms of taking his basketball to this level. Um, and I think, uh, you know, for those reasons, Nuggets winning at home would be fun. Uh, and, you know, again, like, am I going to be sad if we get to game six and seven and we could bet some unders? No, <laughs> that'll be fun. <laughs> but uh, I don't think it's happening. I think the heat, uh, the, you know, just the, the, the magic looks likely to run out against uh, what is, uh, you know, the, a, a truly complete and uh, rested and healthy team. Yes, certainly does feel yeah. like a coronation uh, for the Serbian king. All right, Kurt Vaughn, thank you so much for joining us. Kurt, can you tell people uh, where to follow you on social media and what you're working on at the moment? Um, I'm doing a lot of final stuff, it turns out. Uh, we're going to have a lot of stuff up at <laughs> it's just the NBC Sports NBA page, and you can follow me, as it says below, uh, at Basketball Talk. I will be at the finals games writing from there and out of the practices. And uh, I promise Vaughn and uh, uh, Drew, if I see anything, worth letting you know about i'll text you <laughs> very good I, I know uh, i know you gutted kurt that uh that you have to go to miami instead of our uh, wonderful boston but uh, i'm sure you i mean oh i i do love the founding of our nation and walking of the course yeah. with, <laughs> with families dragging their six kids behind them but i'll i'll, I'll, I'll try to survive miami yeah, try to cope. <laughs> all right and vaughn can you let people know as well what you're working on at the moment Yes, they're on Twitter and Instagram at VMoney Sports. Links in my bio for all the picks on NBC Sports Edge. 21 units in our daily betting, 31 units on futures right now. We're doing NBA, MLB, and USFL. So if you watch Peacock and USA for the USFL games, I'm on at halftime giving out bets, and they've been winners. So check me out. Awesome. Excellent stuff. All right, Kurt, Vaughn, thanks so much for your time. Speak to you soon. Cheers. All right, Drew, before we get into Roland Garros, uh, just a reminder, Sunday morning means MLB leadoff. Watch exclusive live games all season long on Peacock. This week, check out an NL Central battle between the Cardinals and the suddenly highly relevant Pirates in Pittsburgh. Catch the action live this Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern. All right, Wake and Cash, French Open bets for Wednesday. We're going to make this a little thing. Uh, Plenty Mm. going on in Paris. Uh, Daniil Medvedev making really hard work of everything uh, today. Krujikova certainly took his lead too. But uh, what is your play for Wednesday's slate? Yeah, so far... Everything breaking in favor of Iga. Uh, her quarter getting this, mu- you know, getting easier. Her half getting easier. Um, you know, if you can scoop a stale evens price for her outright, I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> that said, um, I think the uh, uh, play for the morning tomorrow, uh, two in the morning start time. Uh, for those of us on the West Coast. So this is a true wake and cash. Uh, Stefano Sissipas, uh, former finalist here at Roland Garros, has, he has been making an absolute mess of some of his meals lately, uh, and he draws a very tough opponent in Roberto um, 
Carabellas Ballena, RCB, as he's uh, uh, colloquially known uh, in the tennis betting community. Sissipas, um, RCB, I, you know, RCB is a, t- is a tough opponent to draw this early in the tournament. He's a clay specialist. He can absolutely take a set here. I have uh, I have this going four or five sets over 50% of the time. Uh, and uh, with a total sitting at 33.5, that makes for a decent edge because we can get 33.5 with a couple tie breaks and we can get it with... Uh, uh, this uh, this in the, you know this uh, going four or five sets I think realistically Sissipas comes through three one three two um, but it's going to be a lot lot closer of a match than the market currently makes so give me over thirty three and a half games for my waking cash this about tomorrow morning okay I love it uh, I'm going with uh, Daria Kasatkina uh, mm-hmm. on the money line plus two oh five to beat uh, Marketa Vondrasova. Kasatkina has been uh, in fantastic form on clay, uh, has some great wins, and also playing some really good players close, getting sets off. Uh, Yelena Ostapenko, uh, Kudamatova as well. Uh, we won't talk about Kudamatova's recent form, but she was in good form coming into the tournament. Uh, and so I think that Kasatkina, despite grave concerns uh, about her serve, uh, I think that this should be closer to plus 150 against Vondrasova, who's also playing really well. I think that also the winner of this matchup uh, has a chance to make a little bit of a run. Mm. Probably a little bit more likely, but Kasakini get her at 110 to 1 to win Roland Garros, which I think is a, a little bit big. She's probably not going to win, but uh, I think there's a bit of value there. And I think that as the money line market is now down to plus 200, it's still like that. So I am riding with Daria Kasatkina, uh, and that's at 7 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning. So go. I Daria. like that one, man. Good, good look by you. First of all, she's shortening. She's shortening in the market. Uh, that's a good sign. Uh, two and two head to head against Vondrusova. Uh, Kasatkina, by the way, um, she is uh, colloquially known as Dasha. Uh, so you can, uh, if, if she makes a little bit of, uh, of money for you here, you can, you can join the uh, the fans cheering Dasha, Dasha. Uh, and yeah, good. It's a good look. Uh, I think uh, I think she definitely her her game seems to be peaking right now. So fun fun dog price. Yep, I like it. All right, we ride with uh, Kasatkina and the over uh, in Sits Fast Match. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks again to Kurt Heelan and Vaughn Dalzell. Thank you to you, Drew Dinsick. We'll be back tomorrow to talk everything under the sun, talk some more uh, French Open, no doubt, uh, and tackle everything else as well. So thanks for watching, and I will see you soon.